That's right. The Buckeyes beat Notre Dame. Well, I mean, it was close. It was a scary game, but they won. I'm going to be honest. In the last episode, I had already gone ahead and hopefully said that the Buckeyes were going to win the game, and I had already produced the episode with sound effects and the fight song, like you just heard, that would indicate as such. I was very worried at some points in the game that I was going to have to go back and change some aspects of the production to indicate that, oh no, the Buckeyes lost. But they didn't lose, so thank goodness. I do want to point out really quick that anybody who is a listener on Apple Podcasts, I was notified by a listener on Tuesday, the day after the podcast was released, the Labor Day special, saying, hey, uh, not seeing the new podcast. I'm like, well, I mean, I know it's on Spotify. I see it on Google Podcasts. And I went and looked at Apple Podcasts, and sure enough, it wasn't there. It wasn't updated. So I went into the Apple Podcast administrative area where I can go as the owner of the podcast, and it was showing and was showing as published. Why it's not hitting the app, I don't know. So I put out a ticket to the support system at Apple, so we will find out soon, hopefully well before when this next episode comes out, why that is not appearing in your feed if you are a listener on Apple Podcasts. I will tell you that I am extremely fastidious with the releases of my episodes. So if at any point in the future you do not see an episode on a Monday when you expect it to be there, please go search it out on some of the other areas that I'm on, on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play Podcasts. I believe iHeartRadio, Audible. There's a lot of places that the podcast is on. So you don't have to lean on one. And unless I die there or unless my computer dies like it did last time, then my podcast will be like clockwork. Even with my computer dying in recent history, as you may remember me talking about, I still managed to put the podcast out on Monday. It was just later in the day, later than normal. I'm a little annoyed at the fact that this episode is not pushing like all of the rest have automatically, given that it is a very time-sensitive episode, a Labor Day special being released on Labor Day. And now here we are, day after Labor Day, all of my Apple listeners didn't get to hear that special on the actual holiday. Shame on you, Apple. Shame on you. Now, it could just be a technology glitch. I'm not going to throw Apple under the bus, but hopefully that gets resolved and hopefully we don't have issues moving forward. But this is also a reason why it's very important for you to all take my advice and follow me on social media on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Jeff Becomes Jeff because I will give you the update that hey something happened, I'm working to get it fixed, but in the meanwhile if you want to listen, here's where you can go listen before getting to today's topic which is very delicate I know, don't worry people, I am aware but before getting to that topic I do want to point out something that I've noticed and it's kind of relevant to this topic is just how short the attention spans are of the average person in America. Here we are, not that far removed from BLM riots, Roe v. Wade being overturned, school shootings, the ongoing invasion of Ukraine by Russia, and none of this is being mentioned by anyone anywhere. I mean, maybe in the news it might be a little bit, but in feeds and social media, all these people that want to go, this is my cause and I take a stand and I'm going to be outspoken about it. Yeah, you're going to be outspoken about it for a week or two, and then you're going to move on, and you're going to start posting pictures about what you had for dinner. Guess what? Don't give a shit about that. Not saying that I want to constantly hear your opinions about Roe v. Wade, BLM, gun rights, gun reform, Ukraine, and Russia. Not saying I want to hear all that from you constantly, because guess what? You're not really, for the most part, qualified to speak about any of that shit. Unfortunately, social media... has given a platform to pretty much every dumb asshole on the planet to be able to act like they're an expert on anything and everything all of the time. See a man beheaded, get offended, see a shrink, show us pictures of your children, tell us every thought you think, start a rumor, buy a broomer, send a death threat to a boomer, or DM a girl and groomer, do a zoomer, find a tumor in your, here's a healthy breakfast option, you should kill your mom, here's why women never fuck you, here's how you can build a bomb, which Power Ranger are you? Take this quirky quiz. Obama sent the immigrants to vaccinate your kids. Could I interest you in everything all of the time? A little bit of everything all of the time. Apathy. 
Coffee's a tragedy and boredom is a crime. Anything and everything, all of the time. Thank you, Bo Burnham. Speaking of Bo Burnham, if you have not seen his amazing documentary that he made during the quarantine, go check that shit out on Netflix. It's called Inside, and the comedian's name is Bo Burnham. It's disturbing. It's hilarious. It's fucking brilliant. It is amazing. Please go watch it. Before we jump into the crazy topic of the day, I will provide one more update. That is in regard to my novel, 11 Hours. It is edited. Well, the first pass is edited. So I did the first pass edit, which included adding a lot of new material. Not a ton, but just things that I'm like, oh, in this section, now that I know how it's going to end, I can kind of beef this up a little bit more about this character, about this situation. And I had spoken to my brother in Arizona, and he had agreed to kind of help me and look at the first pass edit and provide feedback, especially, you know, primarily from a continuity or a grammar or spelling or things like that just to make sure because I'm self-publishing that I'm not putting out something with errors. So I sent him the first saved version of my first pass of the edit and then I started pass number two. He had let me know, hey, I'm not going to get to this for a couple days. I'm like, that's fine. No super rush. And I immediately found, oh no, in just the first chapter, oh, this has got to be fixed. Oh, I got to fix that. I got to fix that. So I sent him another email. Hey, use this one. Then I went back to the editing process right after that. Still in the first chapter, but I felt like I had already made so many changes on just a few pages that I wanted him to start with shit that he didn't have to worry about. Then I found more changes, and I found more changes, and then I sent him another email, and I said, wait a minute, I know the last one I said, use this one instead, but use this one instead. Now, I have made it into the third chapter. There's less shit going on in the second chapter that I had to make major changes to, so I'm just going to let him ride with what I sent him. He made a joke to me like, is this going to be like mom's will? Because my mom, sorry mom, but my mom likes to send us copies of her will about every two and a half days. Okay, I'm exaggerating, but it has gotten out of control with the constant changes and updates that are being made. Maybe these aren't just to her will, but it's wishes, but it, it could be an email form. It could be a mailed form, but it's gotten to the point where it's, I've stopped looking at them. I don't even save them or print them because I know another version is coming in two and a half days. If not, well, I didn't delete the email. I can always go back and reference it. But he was asking, is this going to be because I had sent him, wait, don't use that one. Use this one. Immediately followed by, wait, don't use that one. Use this one. He was like, is this going to be like mom with her will? And I said, no, but this is my baby. And if I can clean it up as much as possible before you get to the point of starting it, I'm going to. All right, so enough of the updates. Let's get to today's topic, a very delicate topic, a very sensitive topic, I know, but we are going to discuss stereotypes versus racism. And look, I understand, I'm a white guy. Maybe I'm not the right guy to be having this discussion. But why not? Why, If you think that I am not capable of looking at this from a fair perspective, well, maybe you're the racist. Or maybe you're stereotyping me unfairly. And yes, I'm going to do my best to approach this discussion from a very delicate perspective. But I'm sure there's a lot of shit that you guys are going to hear, or some of you are going to hear, because of the butthurt, thin-skinned mentality of the modern era. And you're going to think, that wasn't delicate at all, Jeff. And obviously racism has been, or the idea of racism, has been fueled big time in recent years by the black. Black Lives Matters movement, which I'm not opposed to. I agree that Black Lives Matter in my high school of pretty much all white kids, one of my best friends was one of the only black guys in the school, Ira Johnson. Matter of fact, I went to prom with Ira Johnson and my friend Sean Staples. The three of us went stag together.
a very good old friend of mine and a drummer in two different bands, Mr. Glennard Siggers, is also a black man. Now, I know a lot of people out there are like, yeah, that's what everyone says. Like, I'm not racist. I have black friends. Okay, well, let me just say that Glenn and I, we were like brothers. We were not like friends. There's no racism there. I am very confident in the fact that I am not a bigot or a racist. Do I stereotype? Yeah, probably. We all do. We're going to discuss that. Don't worry. Now, I'm going to tell you that what spurred the idea for this topic was the last couple episodes of Big Brother. Yes, I am admitting openly on the podcast I watch Big Brother, but one of the contestants, a Mormon, a white Mormon, a young white male, his name is Kyle, he was a little worried going into this season that the African-American contestants on the show might form an alliance of black people and, you know, he, from a gameplay perspective, he wanted to kind of be on the lookout for that. Why? Well, because just last year, six black contestants formed an alliance based strictly on race called the Cookout. I mean, well, there you go. They stereotyped themselves by calling the alliance the Cookout, but they dominated the season and it crowned the first black winner, Xavier, I don't remember his last name, but a black man. The first time a black person has won Big Brother in 20-some seasons. And this is where you get to the delicate question of what is racism. Is doing something specifically as a group because you are all of one race to try and have an advantage over people of other races is that racism. I would imagine the average black person would say, yes, that's why we don't have opportunities. That's why we feel oppressed. Well, you can't turn around and do that to other people then and not expect it to be considered racism. But here's the issue that pissed me off the most. But let me be clear. I don't necessarily have an issue with the fact of the cookout alliance. I understand that their purpose was to try and get a first black winner of Big Brother. This was not malice or hatred based against other races. So I don't really consider it to have been a racist thing, but that's where we all have to figure out what is racist. Where do you draw that line? But what annoyed me the most about this season was that Kyle, he was just simply, in my opinion, making smart gameplay based on how things went last season. And honestly, there were a lot of African-American contestants coming into the house this season. So the opportunity for another cookout to take place, well, that was realistic. And it wasn't stupid of Kyle, nor was it racist for him to say, maybe we should keep an eye out for that. He wasn't actively targeting or trying to vote out black people. He was just having some conversations with some people like, hey, maybe we need to keep our ears to the ground and keep our eyes out for the idea that there might be another cookout brewing. Then, unfortunately, a week and a half ago, or maybe it was two weeks ago, I don't remember, but two of the players in the game two white people, by the way, decided they, because they were on the block, well, they weren't on the block, but they were total targets. So they decided to go to all the black players in the game and say, Kyle is a racist, blah, 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 because of this and because of that. No, that wasn't racist. That was gameplay. And ended up getting Kyle evicted from the house that week. And he sobbed and cried and apologized. And there was this whole big speech and conversation that had to take place in the house where he had to try and explain to people, I'm not a racist. And one of the black contestants, Monty, he even told Kyle right before the vote, dude, I don't think you're a bad person. I don't think you're a racist. I love you. And he gave him a hug as they were both crying, having this conversation. But what pissed me off the most was these two white people, Brittany and Michael, who used race in an effort to try and save their own skin. And even more so to throw Kyle under the bus as a racist. I'm sorry, but just because you used the previous season of gameplay to look out for yourself, that does not make you racist. It makes you understand the behavioral patterns and the way the game might be played, and everyone is out for themselves to try and win the money. And had there not been an alliance of black people the previous season that teamed together simply because of the color of their skin to ensure that someone with the color of their skin won that season... Maybe a little racist. 
Well, Kyle would have never even had these discussions or these thoughts. So his shit was reactionary. But Michael and Brittany, they are the true racists. And now Monty, a week later, he's already talking with another guy saying that was total bullshit. I can't believe that they used that and that they threw Kyle under the bus. So he's actually seen through it. So good for you, Monty. I am rooting for Monty moving forward because he is smart enough as a black man to see that this young white dude was not a fucking and racist, but unfortunately, he was banished from the house. People on Twitter were using the hashtag. I don't know this for a fact because I don't use Twitter often, but a radio show I listen to, they watch Big Brother and they'll give occasional updates, but apparently people were using the hashtag KK Kyle. That's fucked up, man. I mean, he was not doing anything of a hateful or overt racist nature. It was strictly gameplay. So, fuck you, America, if you use that hashtag. I will say that I did post some shit on Twitter about my uproar over all of this shit. And of course, I got people replying to me, you know, my tweets were well thought, well spoken, and people are just responding to me as if I was a complete racist. I just deleted my tweets and was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not going to try and have this conversation on social media on the most toxic environment possible where people hide behind their little fucking avatars and their little fucking usernames and feel like they can say whatever the fuck they want. They can bully people while turning around and using hashtag no bullying. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to use this platform. I'm going to have this discussion despite how difficult it may be. And hopefully I can put it in a way that does not make me come across like a bigot or a racist because I am not, but no one can really fucking reply to this. Also one thing I know this is going to be Probably shouldn't say this, but there is a black woman on this season of Big Brother when they were having their deep conversation with the group about all of this and Kyle apologizing and wanting to get insight from his other black contestants as to how he could have handled this better. Taylor a black contestant on the show pointed out how, you know, Kyle's had so many more opportunities than she has. I want to point out that she is a winner of Miss Michigan and a successful fashion designer. So not exactly someone who can say, I haven't had nearly the opportunities that you have because she is way more successful and way more famous than Kyle, despite their skin tone at least going into the game. So it just annoys me that at times we have to use this argument that society is still so horribly skewed that black people don't have any opportunities whatsoever. If there is anyone out there who still doubts that America is a place where all things are possible, who still wonders if the dream of our founders is alive in our time, who still questions the power of our democracy. Tonight is your answer. Again, I know this is delicate. I'm not saying that it is an even playing field. I'm not saying that white America is not still the dominant America. I'm not saying that there are not certain factions of the black community that absolutely have a right to say, I have not been given the same opportunity as you, sir. But Taylor, not one of them. And I don't like the fact that she just used the plight of more oppressed black Americans when she clearly is not part of that factor of black Americans. Once again, just like Michael and Brittany using race to further their own agenda. Fuck that and fuck you. All right, so enough about the discussion of Big Brother before I dig myself into a hole that people are going to consider me a racist fucking bigot. So I want to talk about stereotyping. So as I mentioned, you know, the title of the episode is Stereotyping Versus Racism because I do believe that those are two completely different things. But somehow we have blurred this line in our modern society that stereotyping is racism. But it is a fact that stereotyping really 
has nothing to do specifically with race. It can affect any group of any definition. But speaking of definitions, let me give you the definition of stereotyping. What I found is that stereotyping is an often unfair and untrue belief that people have about all people or things with a particular characteristic. Now, I'm not sure I agree with the word often when it comes to often unfair or often untrue, because I think the reason stereotyping is there is because it is based on a much larger sampling of people's perceived data and interactions with people that have certain particular characteristics, and that is why stereotyping exists. I mean, yeah, if you want to base an entire group of people that have a similar characteristic because one person has one attribute and you want to assume the other nine people have the same attribute based on that characteristic, yeah, that's unfair and that's untrue. Well, maybe. But if five, six, or even more of those people have shown that they have the same attribute as well as the same characteristic, well, no. I mean, that's not unfair or untrue to just assume or believe that the remaining three to four people have the same attribute. It may be untrue, but it's not unfair because we as a people make assumptions based on data that we have collected as living human beings in our experiences. You can't consider stereotyping to be racist because stereotyping, it can apply to all kinds of shit. It can apply to gender, sexual orientation, age, religion, political affiliations, religion, and just all kinds of different commonly shared characteristics. And a lot of these attributes or characteristics, they're inclusive of all races. Like, you're going to have women that are black, Asian, white. You're going to have Christians that are black, Asian, white. So it does not make stereotyping definitive to race. And again, that's going to help, in my perspective, support my argument that stereotyping is not racism. So we're going to go through some basic stereotypes. I know this is going to sting some people. And a lot of this is based on research. It's not just my personal perspectives or my personal experiences and stereotypes that I would apply to people. Although I will say I would agree with a lot of these as being a stereotype, not agreeing with them as being applicable and true to every single person that falls under this characteristic. But anyway, let's start with gender. So gender stereotypes. I know gender, that's a dirty word. There's more than just boys and girls out there, Jeff. All right, let's just stick to boys and girls for the sake of this discussion. So from a gender perspective, it is a stereotype that boys are going to be more masculine and more dominant and girls are going to be more feminine and more submissive. Like, let's look at the toys that parents buy for boys versus what they buy for girls. Girls typically get baby dolls and strollers, things that are pink, princesses, unicorns. Boys typically get army soldiers, transformers, things of destruction, things of dominance, footballs, baseballs, baseball gloves, things of sports. Speaking of which, like sports are another aspect that is a stereotype for gender. You don't expect most girls to go and start playing football or baseball. Girls play softball. <laughs> Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Oh. Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball! Now, this is not necessarily true. I mean, I'm not saying that girls aren't capable of playing the same sports, but are they capable of playing the same sport at the same level of the male species? And in many cases, no. But that's just genetics. I mean, that's just biological makeup. It's nothing against women, but it goes, you know, back to that whole controversial thing about the transgendered I don't woman. I, I don't remember the terminology. A man that turned into a woman, kind of, and started swimming in swim races, basically with a man's body, competing against women, and breaking every fucking record that any woman in that sport has ever set. Wow, she's fast, living up to her name early. Raced down about eight or ten lengths in front of here. Over tig along water, then Gracie's joined wizardry things off around the outer, followed by Spray on Billy, then Audencia. Wow, she's fast a minute clear. They must be 15 or 20 lengths in front. The others all jam up, and wow, she's fast is going 
going to win by a minute. Well, of course, because with a man's body. Biology matters. You can go find more information about this on previous episodes. Not going to go down that road. Again, another stereotype from a gender perspective is that women are bad drivers. I'm sorry, women. I'm not the person who necessarily agrees that women are bad drivers. In fact, I will say that I did some research and that has been proven wrong. In fact, men are more likely to be in an accident than a woman. Now, granted, men drive way more often than women, so they have a higher likelihood of an incident. And perhaps that goes and speaks to the reason why women may be less comfortable behind the wheel because they have less experience. But statistically speaking, men, you're worse drivers than women. So that is a incorrect stereotype. It's often considered that men are more violent than women, and actually studies prove this to be true. Now, this is not often the case in, like, nature, outside of human beings, when in many instances, the woman is the, or the female, not the woman, we don't call female crickets women, but in many instances in the animal and bug life, that the female of the species is absolutely the more dominant. The man is basically just there to drop a little bit of seed on the lady's egg, at which point, for some species, he gets his head bitten off and he's killed. That's pretty violent. A lot of people assume that men have crazy higher sex drives than women, and they think about sex all the time. In fact, studies have proven that there is way more similarity between men and women in regard to their sex drive. We're going to touch upon that a little bit more later when we talk about age stereotypes. So let's move on to sexual orientation. So, of course, a lot of people would assume that a gay man is going to be more flamboyant or feminine. And in most of my personal interactions with gay men, I will say they are. I have met gay men that I kind of knew they were gay based on other things, but none of their attributes of their demeanor would have let me know they were gay otherwise. So that's not necessarily an automatic assumption, despite being a stereotype. Think about the word gaydar. We've all heard gaydar, which means I can tell that person is gay without having to ask them or confirm that they're gay. In fact, I have also known a lot of gay people who they embrace the fact that they have very strong gaydar, that they can tell without any interaction that this person across the room is gay based on the way they're dressed, based on their mannerisms. So it is not strictly something that the heterosexual society is saying, that person is gay. I can tell because he's not like me. No, a lot of times. Times, gaydar is embraced by the homosexual community. So that is not necessarily a bad thing, but it is absolutely an indicator of a stereotype. Also, I will say that gay men, they often have a very similar and specific style of speech. Actually, there was a documentary from 2014, and it, as far as I can tell from my research, is available online still at Amazon Prime, but it is called do I sound gay? And it kind of researches the whole fact that a lot of gay men have this style of speaking, not going to emulate it because I don't want to make it sound like I'm making fun of gay men, but we all know that style of speaking that I'm discussing that is very effeminate and almost specific to its own style of speech. I mean, you can't really call it effeminate because most women don't even speak in that way. So it's very odd that they all, from whatever part of the country have come from, they all have this very identical dialect. But when you hear that dialect from a man, it is very much a stereotype. This dude's gay. There goes my gaydar. It's going off. Switching to lesbians, we assume stereotypically that lesbians are going to be butch or masculine. And this is very true sometimes where lesbian women will wear men's clothing. They'll cut their hair short. They'll even carry themselves in a slightly different way that is almost unnatural with the way their body shape and their hips and all that would allow them to carry themselves. Now, this isn't always true. I'm not saying every lesbian is butch. We've got the term lipstick lesbian. This would be a lesbian that looks like a woman, but is also a lesbian. Woman! Whoa! Man! Whoa! Man! 
I will say that I do find it extremely odd that lesbians are attracted to women and gay men are attracted to men, but it's very common for gay men to take on a very feminine approach, and it's also very common for a lesbian to take on a very manly approach. It seems counterproductive if you're into women and you want to attract someone who's also into women, why do you want to look like and behave like a man? If you're into men and you want to attract someone that's into men, why do you want to act like a woman? I don't, I don't get it. We've been here for over three hours now, and I'm not sure if any of us can see what all this is supposed to mean. Supposed to mean? Supposed to mean? I think everyone here knows what this is supposed to mean. And you've gone over something again and again and again and again. Like I have, certain questions get answered, others spring up. The mind plays tricks on you, you play tricks back. It's like you're unraveling a big cable knit sweater that someone keeps knitting and knitting and knitting and knitting and knitting and knitting. <laughs> but to each their own. I will also say another stereotype related to lesbians is that they move into relationships really fast. At my last corporate job, I worked with a lesbian, and she's still a good friend of mine, and she would regularly make the joke about how quickly her and her wife had moved from date one to moving in. She's the one who told me the joke, which I'm going to tell you now, so don't consider this to be some bigoted joke. I I heard this joke from a lesbian, but uh, I think the gist of it was, what does a lesbian drive to a first date? A moving truck. <laughs> yes, because they move so quickly that they basically move in by the first date. All right, so there's some stereotypes related to sexual orientation. I want to remind you as I continue to move through all of these stereotypes, I'm not trying to upset anyone. What I'm trying to do is illustrate the fact that stereotypes exist on a level that have nothing to do with race, and we all have these stereotypes. It's just our upbringing. It's our experiences. It's societally built into us, and it doesn't necessarily make you a bad person. But if all of these stereotypes stereotypes that I'm pointing out before I even get to race seem like they could be offensive, well, then how is race any different? That would be my point of how I'm trying to separate the idea of stereotypes from racism. So let's talk about age. We'll start with old people. Like, stereotypes of old people would be that they have mental and physical deterioration, which they do. Preventing Russia's central bank from defending the Russell ruble pound of Ukrainian people. I would say that's pretty much scientifically proven. Granted, there's still people out there that are 90 years old who are sharp as a tack. There's people out there who are probably 80 years old and running marathons, and I will never run a marathon in my entire fucking life. So, it's not true to everyone, but for the majority, yes. So, the stereotype applies. It's assumed that old people have a lower sex drive. In fact, going back to what I was speaking about earlier, men tend to have a higher sex drive in their 20s, while women tend to have a higher sex drive in their 30s and 40s. That's a cruel, cruel joke of biology. Why, why, why don't those align? That's fucked up. A lot of people would assume that old people are absolutely set in their ways, and for the most part, I would agree with this. It's like the old adage that you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but I will tell you now at the age of 47 that yeah, I'm not going to change that much from an ideological perspective. So I kind of believe that one. It would be often considered that old people are bad drivers. Here we go again with bad driving. Just imagine if you're an old woman. Holy shit, that's double bad driving. And I guess it depends on your age. But yes, I have absolutely seen old women or old men behind the wheel that I've been stuck behind on a road driving 20 miles below the speed limit because they're terrified. They shouldn't be out on the road. They can't see what the fuck they're doing because their vision has deteriorated to a certain point or they've shrunk and their spine has collapsed in on itself and they can barely see over the steering wheel. But yes, for the most part, I would agree. Old people, stereotypes. 
type. Bad driving? Check. On the positive note of being old, a stereotype would be that old people are wise because they've had a ton of experiences and they are able to navigate life in a way that is based on knowing better, knowing what pitfalls to avoid, knowing what opportunities to embrace. So, that said, let's switch to young people. Young people are considered to be not wise at all. In fact, they're kind of stupid and a little cocky because they haven't learned that much from life experiences, but they think they know fucking everything. Little naive, perhaps. It would also be thought that young people would be more willing to try new things because they're experiencing life and certain things for the first time, so they're going to experiment. They're going to try things, whereas later in life, it's like, been there, done that. Even if I haven't tried that before, I'm not going to bother because my experiences have told me I'm not going to like it. Young people would stereotypically be considered to be more open-minded. Also, more resistant to authority, like a teenager with their parents. I hate you, Dad! But, again, because they haven't really had the life experience to understand consequence, so they're a little bit more resistant to the authority that is trying to tell them what to do. When I was a boy, we didn't have these video games. We made up our own games, like chew the bark off the tree. You and your friends would find a nice oak tree and just start chewing the skin off of it. And there were no winners. Everybody was a loser. It rotted your teeth and left your intestines scarred and knotted. And that's the way it was, and we liked it. We loved it. Another stereotype of young people would be that they're bad drivers. Oh, here we go again with bad drivers. But because they're less experienced and perhaps a little riskier. Like if you ever see someone speeding through your little suburbia neighborhood that has a 25 mile an hour posted speed limit, there's a good chance the person behind that car, or not behind the car, behind the wheel, would be a youngster. A ute. Uh-oh. What was that word? Uh, what word? To what? What? Did you say utes? Yeah, two utes. What is a ute? Oh, excuse me, Your Honor. Two youths. So let's move to regional stereotypes. So this would be like the area that you live in. I'm going to use the example of when I went to go see the St. Louis Blues play against the Boston Bruins in Boston for game one of the Stanley Cup final just a few years ago. I, of course, as a St. Louis fan, was wearing a St. Louis jersey. Despite the fact that St. Louis lost that game, I will tell you, based on my experiences at that game and the poor sportsmanship that was directed at and toward me pretty much every minute and every second that I was in that stadium, I would stereotype Boston sports fans to be, well, sorry Boston, but assholes. Were there exceptions to the rule? Yes. I'm going to call out a Jonathan Ames who was working a 50-50 raffle inside of the arena, and he was very friendly, and as a matter of fact, I gave him a business card, and he friended me on social media and has since sent little comments when the Blues are doing well and Boston weren't, like, hey, good for you, man. Happy for you and your team. But he was an exception to the rule, and based on the overwhelming majority of assholes in that stadium, sorry, Boston, but my stereotype is that you guys, well, kind of suck a little bit. Regionally speaking, let's talk about people living in upper class areas versus lower class areas, like the idea of a sketchy neighborhood. And just assuming if I go into this neighborhood, it's total anarchy and lawlessness. And while that's not always true, well, at times it is. Because in a lower class neighborhood, there's a higher likelihood for crime because these people are afforded less opportunities, whether they're white, black, Asian, whatever, has nothing to do with race. And crime may be one of the only opportunities for them to have some kind of monetary gain. Let's look at those Americans who live in the southeastern or Midwest states in the United States. They would be presumed to be more religious, conservative, racist, and also very heavily embracing of the idea of gun ownership. 
I will say that based on my research, this was kind of confirmed, at least from a conservative perspective, that in the 2020 election, Georgia was the only southern state where Biden won. So conservatively speaking and politically speaking, yes, the Midwest and southern states on the eastern half of the United States, they are more Republican and conservative. So I guess one could assume that in the southern states that, you know, they're primarily white people. Well, not so fast. In fact, in Texas and Florida, two very red states, those are the top two leading states in the United States of black population. Now, I'm not saying they're the majority, but it's still interesting to know that the black population is higher in those two states. Let's talk about Poland. Why are you talking about Poland, Jeff? Well, I'm going to talk about Poland because of Polish jokes. I grew up hearing Polish jokes left and right. And my grandmother, on my dad's side, her maiden name was Zemski. She was a Pole, I guess, as you would call them. She was a Polak from Poland. And Polish jokes basically held on to the idea that everybody who was Polish was a total fucking idiot. Like, for example, how do you get a one-armed Polish man to fall out of a tree? Wave. Speaking of Polish men and trees, how did the Polak break his neck raking leaves? He fell out of the tree. <laughs> how did the Polish dog break his neck chasing cars? They were parked. We're now dragging Polish dogs into this. Look, I didn't write these jokes. Just saying that when I was growing up, these were very common, and Polish jokes were very common, and I'm sure Polish people did not appreciate them that much. Who knows, maybe back then, when we weren't so butthurt and thin-skinned, people had a better sense of humor. But that was a huge stereotype based on strictly a regional nature. Let's look at political affiliation. I mean, we've seen this so much in in recent years, where one side thinks the others are idiots, and the other side thinks the others are total morons. If you are a Trump supporter or a Biden supporter, I guarantee you, you are 150% guilty of stereotyping the other half of the people in this country. If you're a Biden supporter, you assume everyone who supports Trump is a total moron, hillbilly, gun-toting piece of shit, racist. If you're a Trump supporter, you assume everybody on the other side wants to kill babies when they're nine months into the term. They want to take all your guns away. They want to take all your rights away. They want to eliminate all of your free speech. And to an extent, guess what? Both sides are kind of right. Your stereotypes aren't that far off, but it's because we've reached this point in our society that there's no gray area. We can't just say, hey, we agree on the majority of things that are common fucking sense, but there's a few issues that we need to discuss. Unfortunately, that mentality and perspective has left the majority of the American brains, and it is why our country is currently fucked. Let's talk about religious stereotypes. I love it when you talk about religion, Jeff. And especially since 9-11, I mean, think about the people of Middle Eastern descent. I mean, especially anyone who would be deemed to be Islam or Muslim, they are often viewed as a worry for terrorism and profiled as such. Speaking of profiling, after 9-11, especially right after, I mean, there was a lot of profiling and even attacks on people of an Islamic nature inside of our country borders simply because they were Islam. Islam. Now, that's racism. That's hatred. That's, you know, goes against just stereotyping, but it is rooted in stereotyping. I'm going to admit that since 9-11, there have been times that I got a little worried when I saw someone that looked like they fit that mold getting on a plane with me or in an airport or in a large sporting event or concert. And that right there is a perfect example of when stereotyping is 100% unfair and untrue. But fear gives us weird thoughts, weird ideas. And yes, whenever that's happened, I've thought to myself, you're a piece of shit. Why did you even think that? You just landed on the ground safely. You got out of the airport safely. Why did you think that person meant to harm you? I'll tell you why. Stereotypes. Society told me I should have a stereotype. 
And that is one of the biggest, most fucked up stereotypes that we've had in recent time. Because honestly, the people of that religion or region that want to actually harm us or do harm to Americans or the American society are way in the minority. That's a small, teeny tiny faction. And as we know, they don't live here for the most part. I mean, yes, of course, the ones that got on the plane for 9-11, they lived here. Durka Durka, Muhammad Jihad, Haka Sherpa Sherpa, Abakala. Oh, Durka Durka Durka. But the majority of the plotting is taking place in a cave on the other side of the world. Shame on me for being scared. Let's talk about stereotyping and Christianity. Like, Christianity has a lot of infighting amongst its denominations. In fact, it's become very popular nowadays to open a church that says, we're non-denominational. But one denomination thinks the other ones are idiots. Those people think the other one are idiots. It's all just stereotyping of how you interpret the Bible. We've also got the stereotype now on Catholic priests that they're all predators of young boys. Run! Go! Get to the chopper! Maybe they are. I don't know. I mean, a lot have come out, but I would imagine that that is the minority. That's probably an unfair and untrue stereotype. Think about black churches. We all think that Christian black churches, they're all showing up every week with exuberant singing and crazy sermons. Unto the Lord! I am very happy to be here! I don't know what you come to do, but I come to praise the name. Lord, Lord. Everyone's showing up in a flashy, bright colored suit, dress, or hat. Some of that may be true, and if you're a black person that goes to a black church like that, you're like, you're right. But we can't just stereotype every black church to follow that identification. Let's talk about Jewish people when it comes to stereotypes. I'm not Jewish. Nobody's perfect. How do I put this? Um, Jewish people are considered to be um, ah! frugal. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that was close. <laughs> we can laugh about it now. We're all right, you know. <laughs> it's also widely considered to be common knowledge that people of the Jewish faith run the media or Hollywood that they make good lawyers. Perhaps because they're so frugal. Is any of this true? I don't know. I didn't even bother to research it. I'm just pointing out stereotypes that exist that we all know because society has told us those are the stereotypes that we should believe. And when it boils down to it, no one likes to be on the receiving end of a stereotype. If you are subject to any of the stereotypes that I have discussed, and I guarantee you I've pretty much covered everybody so far, and not only that, but you're likely to be subject to multiple of these stereotypes, like saying that you're a Christian woman driver, you're definitely not happy to hear that you're being placed into this predefined bucket. However, many times, let's be honest, be honest with ourselves, the stereotype fits. That's why it's a stereotype. And if you were alone in your own thoughts and company, there's a good chance that you would completely agree and say, yeah, that's kind of accurate. I am a shitty driver. All right, so let's switch to the hotspot issue of racism and racial stereotypes. But let's point out when we're talking about stereotypes that racial stereotypes, they're not any different than the previous stereotypes that I have discussed. And yes, many of them are very fitting to a majority of that population. And that's kind of the whole point of this episode is to figure out the difference between stereotypes and racism, to let this line be a little bit less blurred. Let's not assume that a stereotype or stereotyping is racism. Speaking of racism, let's talk about the definition of racism. So what I found is that racism is a belief that race is a fundamental determinant, that's a fun word, of human traits and capacities. 
Honestly, that's a horrible fucking definition and almost identical to the definition of stereotyping. Really, we all know that racism, the one word that would define racism is hatred, malicious intent. That was three words. I know I was giving multiple examples, but I'm not a fan of the fact that the definitions of racism and stereotyping are so closely tied together from a verbiage perspective. So here we go. Buckle in, kids. Let's talk about some racial stereotypes. Let's start with African Americans. Please understand that I know I am a white man discussing these stereotypes of black people in America. Not agreeing with any of them. I'm going to discuss them. I'm going to provide my input. This is not a bigoted discussion. So first and foremost, we all know what black people love to eat. I'm going to give you a second to think about what I'm about to say. That's right, fried chicken, watermelon, and collard greens. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a white dude, and I love fried chicken. I really like watermelon. Now, I've never had collard greens, so maybe that one might be more on point. But I will say that my old drummer and good friend Glenn, we were having a conversation years ago one time about stereotypes, and I said that I think it's unfair to point out that black people love fried chicken because I love fried chicken. And he gave me a very serious look and said, no, you don't love fried chicken as much as me. I'm like, dude, I I really love fried chicken. He's like, trust me, you don't love fried chicken as much as me. He embraced the stereotype. He didn't fucking care because he loves fried chicken so much and tried to convince me based simply on race that there was no way I could love fried chicken as much as him. And I think when it comes to a lot of these stereotypes, both racial and all of the things that I've discussed before, a lot of it has to do with your upbringing, like the area you grew up in, your parents, the toys you were given growing up. Like if you were a little boy that was always given dolls and Barbies and things that were pink growing up, you might not think any different about it. You might not feel the need to want tanks or Jeeps or G.I. Joes. But societally, we have created these expectations and these stereotypes. We drive the stereotype with societal behavior. So back to African-American stereotypes, let's talk about speech patterns and ebonics. So to an extent, the way that black people talk, it could be compared to the way that gay men often talk in their feminine approach for the same reason that it doesn't make sense that black people who are living in the same city as white people who speak completely different from them have a completely different dialect. Same thing that with gay men that live in a same household or city with other white men or straight men that they have a different dialect. It's kind of like the whole ax versus ask. I want to ask you a question. That's not the word. There's clearly an S before the K. It's not ax. That's what I use to cut down a tree. But I do think a lot of abonics and the way that black people speak, despite being crazy different from all of the white people in the identical community around them, has to do with pride and heritage and to an extent wanting to separate themselves from the white culture that they feel has oppressed them. But I want to point out if you're in the black community and you go out of your way to speak in a way to separate yourself from the white community, is that racist? Because you're going out of your way to specifically define yourself as a separate race and ignore the language and the dialect of your region? No, I don't think it is. I'm not saying that's racist. I'm just trying to ask big questions to make you all think and understand racism can be perceived in so many ways and on so many levels. And it is not only something that is identified as white versus black or just coming from white men. There's a lot of black people who are racist against other blacks. There's a lot of black people who are racist against the Hispanic people. There's a lot of black people who are racist against whites. Let's not pretend that racism is strictly white bigotry and white hatred. Kill the white people! Oh, we gonna make them hurt! 
So another stereotype of African Americans would be that they have a higher likelihood of criminal behavior. And I'll say that this assumption has certainly led to a lot of the BLM issues, the Black Lives Matters issues and riots, and the unnecessary police shootings. A lot of police assume that this black guy is up to no good, and they shoot that person unnecessarily. Now, let's also be honest and fair. Not every single shooting of a black man is unwarranted and unfair. However, I will agree that there is a lot of shootings that happen that shouldn't have happened and were not warranted by the police. And I get annoyed as well when a lot of these police officers are put on trial and they face very moderate sentences. I think that's fucked up. But speaking to the likelihood of black or African-American people as being more likely to commit a crime, I will point out that currently the percentage of inmates by race in the United States is led by white people at 57.6% with a black population in the prison system of only 38.4%. So the idea that the black community is more likely to commit a crime, well, that's a shitty stereotype. And going back to upbringing and region and things like that, I think a lot of the black people that might commit crimes, it's more likely due to the fact that they're being raised or living in these oppressive or low-income communities where they don't have much opportunity, and crime seems to be the only option to survive. Now, I want to point out, out of fairness, that when it comes to the BLM movement and the assumption that black men are being gunned down by police in extreme numbers and unfairly compared to the rest of the other races. I did a little research and in 2021, 302 white people were shot and killed by police compared to 177 black people. In 2020, 459 white people were killed by police compared to 243 black people. I mean, we're looking at essentially like a two to one ratio here. 2019, 424 white people killed by police, 251 blacks. In 2018, 459 white people, 228 black people. So it's not like police are just going out there trying to shoot and kill African-American citizens. On average, every year, there are twice as many people who are white that are killed by police than black people. Granted, I'm sure the majority of the white people that were shot and killed may have been more deserving of it because white people, well, let's just face it, there's some crazy sons of bitches. Not a whole lot of black serial killers out there. It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. So another stereotype would be that black people are better at sports like football and basketball. And to confirm this, I will say in 2021 the NBA was comprised of 73.2% black players and 16.8% white players. Regarding the NFL in 2021, there was 58% black players and 25% white players. So yes, an overwhelming majority of black players in those two leagues. On the flip side, one might think, well, black people aren't quite as good at things like hockey or baseball. So let's look at those stats. In 2021, the MLB, the Major League Baseball League, well, I said league twice. That was redundant, Jeff. But it was 57.5% white, 30 1.9% Hispanic and only 7.7% black. In the NHL, so National Hockey League, in 2021, it was 97% white. Ah! Holy shit! With the other 3% being identified as other and made up in that 3% of 26 black dudes. Let's compare that to the 2022 roster of the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> which has 29 African-American players from what I can tell. So they have three more players on the Bengals this season than the entire NHL had black hockey players across their 33-team league last year. So, yeah, maybe those stereotypes kind of fit. Finally, let's talk about the stereotype of black men having bigger 
dicks. I don't like this stereotype, and I've often wondered if it's true, but I don't necessarily put myself in a position to see other dicks, let alone black dudes' dicks, so I couldn't really verify this based on my own research. But I'm going to tell you, based on the science and the research that I found, sorry black guys, but it's not really true. In fact, the average length of a black penis is 5.8 inches, while the average length of a white penis is 5.7 inches. That's one-tenth of an inch difference. Can't really brag about that. All right, so finally we're going to discuss stereotypes around Asian people. This would be the other primary race worth discussing. We could discuss stereotypes of white people, but I'm white, so unfortunately it's hard for me to know what these stereotypes are of me. I'm not, you know, somebody who is on the outside looking in. So first off, Asians are often stereotyped, Asian women especially, as being very good at doing nails. Like anytime you would go to a nail salon, you would assume there's Asian women inside doing those nails. Don't know why, not sure, the connection between Asian women and nails, but it's there. Asians are also considered to be bad drivers. Oh my god, here we go with bad drivers again. Look, I'm just telling you what I know. Asian men, going back to dick size, are considered to have small penises. And I'll say that while I kind of disproved the black versus white penis from a statistical perspective, it's a little true that Asian men do have smaller penises. Not a ton, but the average Asian penis is 5.1 inches long. Remember that a black man was averaging 5.8 with a white man averaging 5.7. So really, we're just kind of boiling down to a half an inch, which is about the width of a Skittle. So don't worry, Asian men, you're only a Skittle's length away from having a black dick. Romance the rainbow. Taste the rainbow. Finally, let's talk about the stereotype that Asians eat dogs. Well, kind of true. I mean, in certain regions, yes, eating dog meat is common. But for the majority of Asian people, they don't want to eat dog. It's in the regions that they eat dog. It's because they don't have that many other options. Very similar to Native Americans and the U.S. Army and the Confederate soldiers during the Civil War. They all also ate dog meat because it was necessary and they were going to die if they didn't eat that fucking dog. But I want to point out that, you know, they were nice enough to save the dog for last only after eating their horses and their mules. <laughs> All right, this episode has gotten crazy out of hand, crazy long. Let's wrap this up and let's point out that everybody stereotypes. Everybody hurts sometimes. Whatever the color of your skin is, whatever your gender, your sexual orientation, your religion, whatever that is, every single one of us has a predetermined conception of how others around us might behave based simply on a visual representation. It's kind of like how Tinder works where it's like, I see you for a second. I either want to fuck you or I don't. I either think you're crazy or you're not. We're all guilty of it, but we need to separate the idea of racism from stereotyping. Yes, I know sometimes stereotyping Stereotyping can be unfair, but it's not necessarily done with malicious intent or hatred. That would be racism. There is a difference between the two. So I would ask all of you to just be self-aware. Understand that you likely do fit many of the stereotypes that people place on you. And blame society before you blame the person. Because stereotypes in most cases are caused by that societal expectation, societal behavior, and in many cases the media. Don't assume that just because someone has a stereotypical perspective that they are hateful or racist. Use the opportunity if you don't fit that stereotype to educate that other person. Otherwise, this world is fucked. All right, thank you everyone for continuing to tune in to another episode of the Jeff Becomes Jeff podcast. Until next time, I'm Jeff. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that was close. <laughs> we can laugh about it now. We're all right, you know. <laughs> and I'm Jeff. 
Wow, she's fast, living up to her name early. Race down about eight or ten lengths in front of here. Over Tigalong Water, then Gracie's Joy and Wizardry Things off around the outer. Followed by Spray on Billy, then Audencia. Wow, she's fast, a minute clear. They must be 15 or 20 lengths in front. The others all jam up, and Wow, she's fast is going to win by a minute. Good night. to the devil and I prayed and I showed him the mess that I've made and I cried and I cried and I cried a million times over but the devil just laughed in my face I went to the God of fire and said can you turn the heat a little higher cause I've been burned and I've been burned Time's over, but he just covered me with water. So I went to the Lord of the sea. Said, Won't you come wash over me? Cause the roads and the woods have been winding a million times over. But she receded from me. And I Water from the land. 